Hello, everybody. Today, we are talking about how to title your artwork. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need to hear, Art Prof, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. I think artist titles are quite interesting in that people feel very strongly about them in a particular way. For example, I tend to roll my eyes a lot of titles where I just feel like so many of them are so pretentious. But Mia, you really think they're cute and fun. <laughs> I love a good title. Um, <laughs> I think when I see an interesting title that extends from the piece itself and makes you think about it, I think that's interesting. But there are definitely some titles that I think are very boring. <laughs> Tell us in the chat, what's your take on titles? Are you neutral? Are you rolling your eyes like me? Or do you find them to actually be helpful and informative in evaluating the artwork? So Deepti, what do you think about this? Because these are these very descriptive, specific titles that go back centuries to Dutch Bonitas paintings. What's your take on Cotons, Cucumber, and Quince? Um, it's interesting because I, I kind of fall in between like what, like the, I don't care much for titles and, and Mia's like, I love titles and a title like this doesn't really excite me. Um, I guess in, in some ways it just alleviates any stress for me digging any deeper for meaning. Um, I, I enjoy when titles add a second layer of narrative, but if I were looking at this in a museum and saw it, I'd be like, okay, cool. The work is speaking for itself and I'm not really getting anything more from the title. I just sometimes feel like these titles are sort of redundant. It's like, really, Babari, you need to explain to us that this is a partridge in it? What do you think, Mia? I agree with you there. I think that titles like this are the ones that bore me, where it's just a repetition of what we're already seeing. I think that I like the titles that if, if this was titled something like um, Demon in the Night or something like really <laughs> weird or like that didn't have anything to do with what it was, I would say, oh my God, like, what am I missing? What can I look for? Yada, yada. So I think um, that's where I find titles interesting, but this I'm, I'm not a big fan. Lulu says, I think titles are helpful. When talking to another person, I want to be able to call the piece by its name and someone go, oh yeah, I know that one. Well, here's the thing about titles. Depends on what kind of artist you are. But if you want to work professionally, let's say you want to apply for an artist grant or residency, or you want to show at galleries, you have to title the work. There's no way around that. And deep down, I know some people feel very frustrated because it's about the artwork. Why do we have to write a title and an art statement and all this crap <laughs> that we sometimes feel is not really that necessary? How would you say an artist can deal with that? Because sometimes, yeah, you have to title 30 pieces to go into your grant application. I think it's not worth like stressing over if you can't think of something creative, if there's not something that inspires you and feels like it's gonna add a really cool layer to your piece you know, just go the literal route. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think it's exciting, like Mia said, but I, you know, don't think there's anything wrong with that. And sometimes, you know, in the one with the with the bird, with the partridge or something, it was at least a little like descriptive of like what kind of bird it was, which I thought was interesting. Um, so, you know, there's, there's small ways to add a little layer, but 
when all else fails, just go literal, I think. I mean, just get it done. It's fine. You really can put zero effort into a title and it's okay. What's your take on this, Mia? Because it's a surrealistic object made by Dolly and it is literal, but it's not a real object in the real world. I think this one, I, I, I think that it depends on specific incidences or, uh, I don't know, circumstances for me. Because I really like this one, even though it is literal. Because Lobster Telephone just makes me laugh. It's a ridiculous um, statement. And it, it it's funny. And I think that the piece is kind of supposed to be funny as well. So I think as a title, it's doing its job. Crispy says, I feel like sometimes it can be useful as a descriptive asset to the piece, but other times when it's overly conceptual, it doesn't add much. Or, Deep D, have you ever seen titles that just annoy you? Because the whole thing about Duchamp is he pushed this concept of a ready-made object. So we have a bottle rack, and it's called a bottle rack, and he's saying, it's a bottle rack. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There are definitely titles that make me roll my eyes sometimes or when it's like so conceptual, like if I saw this and it was like my father's deep, dark secret that, you know, like a, like a five sentence, whatever, that would also um, annoy me. I think it's great when it adds a little something, but it's it's not, it doesn't like make you search for a whole nother narrative and distract like people say. Well, this is a performance piece by Chris Burden, and it's a performance piece where he asked somebody to shoot him with a gun. For real, he actually was shot with a gun. One of the most famous performance pieces. And so, Mia, we could say, oh, this is literal. It's called shoot, and he got shot. But the word shoot is not so straightforward. You could interpret this more broadly. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that I saw this and I read the title and the first thing that I thought was, oh, this looks like a photograph that was shot with a camera um, and it's a performance piece. So that does make sense. And it's film. And so I really do like that layer of it um, because the point of it was, I guess, to document this strange psychological event, not just for that to happen. So I think that that's another it's a nice level for a title to have. Well. We have Rose Candy here says, if I don't have an idea for a painting, sometimes I use my notes app. Since I bring my phone everywhere, it has many titles I came up with. Yeah, I mean, Deep D, what do you think about just scribbling down words into your sketchbook, just almost as a record of possible titles for the future? That's really cool. I mean, I always think of like, if I looked at a random piece of art and then named it something after, like all the iterations that your mind will make like for example what we're looking for here if this was named my birthday cake or if this was named my funeral like the narratives that you just start building from just those words attached to it is really really cool so I, I like that idea of just having words that feel exciting to you and then making those connections later on it's a cool way to go about it Bav says, I think titles can really elevate the art and expand the narrative. They can also be really distracting and confusing, but they're more than just a tool for categorizing. I mean, sometimes they help me because I have enough artwork now that I oftentimes can't remember what's what. And so when I have a distinctive title, I go, oh, I remember it's that painting with 
the bush or something. <laughs> it makes things a lot easier. But I don't know. I feel sort of conflicted about the untitled title because on one hand, part of me thinks, oh, that's such a cop-out. On the other hand, it's like, who cares? It doesn't matter. What, what do you think, Mia? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone prioritizes something different within art. I mean, when I title my work, I think it's a fun thing to do. It's kind of like a puzzle. I always title my pieces afterwards when I have time to think about them and mull it over and something will come to me. And I think that's fun. But I know people like you, Clara, and maybe um, these people who make untitled pieces, they are just okay with letting the work speak for itself without any other information. And I think that's very respectable. Um, I think it can be confusing just because of how many untitled works there are. Um, but yeah, everyone to each to each their own. W315 says a lot of these old masterworks, the titles were put on by resellers a hundred years later. Well, I had no idea <laughs> that that was the case. So I'm really glad you brought that up because certainly today the documentation is a lot better than it was in 30 BC. But what do you think about that, Deep D, that knowing, looking at these pieces, that maybe they didn't do artist titles in the 1300s? That's really interesting. I didn't know that either. I guess to me that makes sense because I'm like Mia in the sense that a lot of times I figure out my titles afterwards. And I feel like if titles weren't really a norm or a thing, and perhaps back then you didn't like need them in the way that sometimes you need them now for submitting to a gallery, um, it just wasn't something that was necessary. The work kind of spoke for itself. We have Jane who says, I usually title my pieces with a simple word or phrase. I don't try for something too conceptual and complicated. It's mostly for a spreadsheet. I keep listing the dates and media of my work. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> In a nutshell, Jane, I, I get so annoyed when I have to do it. And most of the time, I'm just don't want to be bothered. I mean, Mia, do you spend time like thinking about your titles or do they come to you pretty quickly? I, I mean, I spend a lot of time brainstorming, but that's something that I enjoy doing. It's kind of like I'll put music on and sit with the piece for a little bit when I'm done with it and see if anything, any words or phrases jump out at me. And if they don't, then I'll just leave it be and until something comes to me. And if it doesn't, then I just go simple. Um, or I don't really title it at all. But when it does happen, I get really excited and I'm I'm happy to share with people. <laughs> I'm very matter of fact. I mean, you guys, when you have a series of 50 self-portraits, like really, am I gonna like innovate with the new title? No, I, I just say self-portrait one, two, three, four, five. I, I don't know, maybe that's super lazy and boring, but Deep, do you know from working as an artist for a while now that it's like the catalog of work that you have gets so big after a while. Yeah, I don't think I label most of my art right now, like these guys right here, definitely not. But after, yeah, after a while, you're just focused on the next piece, focused on the process, focused on the work. And if something doesn't just come to you, I think the quickest thing is to just slap a, a numerical number on it or an untitled and then just move on and follow what is inspiring you in that moment, which is generally to move on to the next piece or the next, you know, thing. We're not, we're not copywriters. We're like, you know, drawn by the medium. <laughs> I like what Lionel's saying. There's a landscape artist in Quebec 
keeps their pieces untitled until someone purchases it and then lets the purchaser name the artwork. See, I feel like these are all such cool, fun ways to do titles. And I'm just being a lame ass or something, <laughs> being so boring about the whole thing. Now, Mia, what about these titles that, come on, we know Merritt Oppenheim is calling it object for a very deliberate reason. I mean, basically, anytime you get involved with the surrealists calling this piece my nurse or the quintessential one of all, which is Duchamp's urinal, which he titled A Fountain. Sometimes, Mia, I think people are frustrated by these titles because it's almost like it's an inside joke they're not a part of. Yeah, I mean, I think that in terms of these pieces specifically, um, concept is the entire point, is to make people think and throw them off base. And I think that without these specific titles, it would not pack the same punch. I think especially especially for Fountain, um, I remember learning about that one in school. And until we learned the title, all of us just assumed it was a urinal, assumed a lot of things about it. And then the title changed everything, which I thought was really interesting. But it's why a lot of people are frustrated with Duchamp as an artist. So <laughs> it just shows how influential and effective titles can be for better or for worse. Well, picture this. Deep D, what if this was called urinal? What would you say to this piece? I think that with all of these like kind of absurd titles, the thing that I notice the most is that I would normally spend more time with them because I'm then prompted to figure something out. If it was just urinal, I probably would look at it, look at the title and be like, cool, gotcha. But after looking at it and seeing the word fountain, I definitely would have spent more time with it and kind of analyzed it and got into the mind of the artist, maybe even read the artist's like statement or bio to know more about the artist. So it does kind of open up. I really am a fan because I think it opens up doors for conversation and requires you to think a little bit more. Shannon says, I ran an art studio for artists with developmental disabilities. Often they just didn't care about titles, so I didn't have much choice. Judith Scott, whose work we're looking at here, was an artist with developmental disabilities from a similar type of organization. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up, Shannon, because art gets created for all different kinds of reasons, different contexts. And I feel like I'm learning so much just reading everybody's responses about different ways that artists have done titles because it oftentimes is not really super straightforward. So here's a title that just, oh, this is the type of title I just can't stand this crap. <laughs> Sorry, Chris Burden. I know you're famous and I know you're in the art history textbook, but this is just so annoying. So this title, The Rise and Fall of Western Industrialism as Seen Through the Automobile. But if you read the piece of paper, it's just plain yellow line paper. He writes, how many people are artists? How many people make objects? How many people think that the artist or little things they make can change the real world? And he goes on talking about what should change and what should not. How do you um, feel about this one, Mia? It just makes me laugh because it's absurd. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, this is one of the ones where I I don't really take it seriously. I think because the title is so ridiculous. I think people and artists who are more into the surreal or, I don't know, funny 
um, things like this and take them really seriously might might have something to chew on here. But for me, I kind of just laugh and then move on. But I still enjoy it to a degree, I guess. Sonnet says, I feel like a poor title can take away from the piece as well. Well, I think this is an annoying title. What do you think, Deep D? Yeah, this feels like too much for my brain to handle. And I think maybe that's just my brain. Um, but it feels... Fountain, I feel like, just opened a door for conversation, allowed me to walk through it, and allowed me to engage with it. This just feels like I, my brain is like, what's going on? There's so many words. It, it really isn't giving me, it's throwing things on me, and I'm not able to handle it, and it just feels confusing and annoying. Well, the other thing to consider, too, though, is sometimes people never see the title. Because let's say you're scrolling on Instagram, Mia, and the artist maybe they didn't even title it or maybe it is titled but they didn't put it into the text caption and yet on a museum wall there's a plaque and i find when i go to a museum i almost always read those plaques so a museum is a place where i think more people engage with titles what do you think about that mia that sometimes the title it just isn't there i think that it definitely removes some of the context from the piece um and you know Sometimes people like putting their work out there without a title to just have a cold read on the literal piece itself. Um, and I think that's maybe one of the reasons why museums are so fun and interesting and they feel bigger than social media because you can go in and really take it for what it's supposed to be in its right context. Um, yeah. <laughs> Michael says, could be frustrating to the viewer misleading titles is what the artist wants the viewer to feel. The title became part of the piece and the artist can show the frustration they went through making it. Well, Deep D, do you think there is such a thing as a misleading title where you're like, dude, I didn't pay for that. It's this. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's, I think that they are, sometimes an artist can be a bit of a troll. Um, I think titles can be jokes and I think that they can put you in situations where the artist is laughing from their grave or whatever. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's the artist's work and the artist, it's all like a process, which I think is really cool. And the title is part of that process too. So even if it is a trolling moment on you, it kind of does give you insight on who this artist is and how they operate and their relationship to their viewers so it's all it's all connected and it's all interesting in my opinion well here are some titles that i think create associations that maybe were not in the artwork if you just look at it itself so mia this piece by willie cole it's almost a play on words because the word soul you think about the soul of a shoe but then the word brother really changes this title. If you take away brother, it's like, oh my gosh, it's something else. What does the word brother do to this artwork for you, Mia? I think that it, well, first of all, it made me search for a face in it. And I think it's pretty easy to find as soon as that word comes in. I think that it introduces this character instead of a sculpture. And it gives the viewer a lot to chew on and it makes you ask a question, oh, why shoes? How do the shoes um, contribute to this new character that is now present in the work when it might not have been if the title wasn't there? Um, and I really enjoy that about this piece. 
Yeah, and you know, some of these pieces, you look at them, and if you don't know Willie Cole's work, you might not even see the shoe until you spend a little bit more time working on it. And if we look at a piece like this, this is by a Cambodian artist, uh, Pinari San Pitak. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. So this is called Breast Stupas, okay? And once we see the word breast, Deep Deep, how does that change our perception of these colorful forms? It's interesting because when I first look at it, I think of it as like fruit. They look like pears or something to me. So when it says breast, it turns more like, you know, it's an organ. It uh, makes me think of like female breasts because of the size of them and the shape. But then I see stupas and that makes me think of like a religious structure, you know. Um, so there's like something sacred there, which again, I think goes with like anatomy, there's something like sacred, especially like a body part that's like a, you know, a private part. <laughs> um, so it starts creating associations that I think um, you wouldn't generally have if you just looked at it. It, it. it also changes the way you interact with it, the way you might perceive what the artist was thinking and might be saying about the objects. Here's another piece by the same artist. It's called Breast Stupa Cookery Ice. And so it's a variation on the theme of the breast stupa. And so sometimes titles build upon each other because Mia, these two pieces, this piece here, they're both very, very different, but we know that they're connected because of the words breast and stupa. Yeah, I, I think that using titles as, or naming series instead of individual pieces is something I really enjoy because you get to follow all of these little um, spin-offs or one-offs of a larger idea. And I think this is interesting. Um, I haven't seen this work before, but now I want to look into it more because the themes of femininity and shape and all of that, it's really amazing. Sonnet says, so how are you supposed to title a piece? Is there a process you go through or is it based off of how you feel, what you want to get across, a response you want to elicit? I'm going to give a really annoying answer, which is that it can be any of those things. And so Deep D, what do you do if you just are totally bewildered by the entire process? If it's overwhelming to you, I say go literal or call it untitled. Don't stress about it. Don't spend unless it's fun for you, like it is with Mia um, and me too. I, I think titling can be fun and can be inspirational. Um, don't stress about it. Yeah, and really, Mia, can you do it wrong when you title an artwork? I think that if the point is to title something ridiculous or badly for for a gag or a joke. Um, that could just be annoying or seen as trolling. But if if you're coming from a genuine place, uh, you, there's no wrong way about it. As long as it connects somewhat, I think that you're on the right track. I think you have to be conscious of what you invite because there are certain words that, let's just say, have an inherent positive association or inherent negative association. And so I think the only mistake you can make is if you add a title so that people interpret it in a way that's like the opposite of what you wanted. And it's like, you're totally taking people off track in a negative way. That's probably not such a great thing. How about titles that indicate identity or roles? Because this is a piece, um, I can't pronounce this artist's name. I need to look these up. Ada Molone. 
and it's called Morning Bride. Now, the figure is wearing a veil on top of their face. And so we could say, oh, it's a veil. Therefore, some people might look at it and make the connection bride, but some people might not. And so, Deepi, why is it important to see the word bride in this piece? I think you're right in saying that some people might make that association, but it's such a exciting piece with so much going on that I think it's not very uh, literal that it's a bride. So having that word in the title kind of places us in a space with the character description, with some kind of understanding of where to start almost, um, where to start our associations. And then we can move forward and learn more about the artists and maybe what part of the world they're in and how that might inform it or um, their background or pre other works, but it's a great starting off point. Mia, how about this? The fact that this is called Sisters, all of a sudden we know something about these people that we didn't know without the title. In this case, I find the title extremely helpful. Do you? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I'm a little biased because I have two sisters and we would do laundry folding parties all the time. So it's an easy jump for me to make. But I think that um, if you didn't have that same experience or didn't know the context, you might think, oh, these are three um, women coming into this from different um, locations or contexts, or I think that it really just punches the theme and hits it home and you get the, the exact feeling that the creator wants you to get. W315 says, is it weird if you show a work under some title several years later, you realize it's the wrong title, can you rename it? Do you officially document the renaming? I have bidded enough jams <laughs> applying for things and selling things that honestly, unless you have a really compelling reason to change it, it's going to cause you a lot of headaches. Because after a while, deep, you start to realize, oh man, keeping my work organized is a big pain in the butt. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I think sometimes it might be more of an annoyance to you, which obviously is matters, but I think it's, again, going to provide more of a headache to change the name and, and deal with that than just let it live. <laughs> I mean, I guess the place where you probably can't do that is if it's in a museum collection. Yeah, the Tate probably doesn't want you renaming your artwork in their catalog. But if it's an artwork that you've never shown anywhere and has been posted and you don't have to go and change anything online, it's probably fine. But it is something to think about because, oh boy, I have lost track of so many things that I really should have kept track of. How about titles that guide you to consider something that's really just not visible in the piece at all? So Mia, this is a portrait of a man and it's called Greenhouse Fantasies, okay? There's no greenhouse in this piece. And so what, what do you do with a title like this? I mean, I read the title and I immediately started seeking out the color green, <laughs> which there's very little of, but I mean, there's no greenhouse, there's no obvious solution in the piece when you look at the title. So my next step, I think for me would be to look into either the artist statement or more context about where the artist came from, because I am, I've not seen this piece before and I am stumped now when I look at it, because I just don't know where to go from here with this specific person. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, Deep D, I think sometimes one thing I do like about titles is when they pique my curiosity. Because I look at this painting, I go, elephant, wait, maybe there's some reference that I'm missing. Maybe this is a story from mythology. Um, have you ever had that experience, Deep D, where it got you to want to learn more? Yeah, totally. I mean, just looking at the word elephant, it makes me think of like an elephant never forgets um, and kind of like uh, loyalty or being very smart or even like trumpet and being a trumpet player. So I'm really getting into the head of like who this person is, their relationship to the artist. It adds all these questions in my brain in like five seconds and also makes me think of just the fact that this person probably has some sort of meaning to the artist. It, it adds that kind of extra layer, which is exciting to me. Anna says, I think titles can be used sincerely, ironically, conceptually, emotionally. All are valid and valuable entryways into a work of art. I love the word entryway that Anna used because, Mia, I know there are a lot of people who just are frustrated with contemporary art. They go to the museum, they say, I don't get it. That's extremely common. And maybe the title is a little entry point for people sometimes. I think so. I think that it, in a way, it could be like training wheels for, for people when they walk in and it's like, okay, here's a red square. I'm just using that as like a random example. But, um, and if there was no title, then people would just get frustrated and walk away. But if there's a little bit of a taste as to where to look or how to learn more, I think a lot of people will take that bait and try and learn and educate and eventually grow practiced in reading art. Blue Wolf says, what about, quote, unofficial titles like Birth of Venus, the one by Botticelli? I think a lot of people call it Venus on a half shell. <laughs> well, there's so many works of art out there where people just have a name for it. And it's maybe not technically correct. I don't know. Like, Deep D, I just feel like if Van Gogh came to life, he would just be horrified by the way people refer to his work. Because to a certain degree, it, it does feel sort of insulting, doesn't it? Sure, but I guess at that point, if people are calling your work so many different things, clearly your work has made its rounds and people know about it. So that's cool too. <laughs> I want to say thank you to, I think it was Sonnet, yes, for the super sticker. Thank you so much for your support. Sonnet says, what a great topic. Thank you guys for the stream. Well, thank you, Sonnet, for all of that. Greatly appreciate your support. And I like this comment from Rachel, who says, explore writing, poetry, draw from your inspiration. I heard a piece of music that became the title of the exhibit and portrait. Stay open to surprise. Follow curiosity like fortune cookies. I, that sounds like something you would do, Mia. Absolutely. I, people are going to get mad at me for this. But um, a few years ago, to get myself to read, because I have no attention span, I would buy really cheap books from thrift stores and I would literally highlight and then cut out the quotes that I liked and I would put them in a jar and I would shake it up for inspiration when I wanted to pull out something and draw a prompt from it or use it for a title or um, do a writing prompt or something like that. And I did destroy a lot of books, but um, I'd say it was worth it. It was a fun exercise. <laughs> Please don't yell at me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. I think that's brilliant. I mean, now that I'm talking to you, Mia, I'm like, dude, 
I have not been making this fun. I didn't know you could make it fun. So Deep D, sometimes I think that's where the dialogue with other artists is really helpful. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I love that. I love that idea. I love, um, I was just thinking like you could even, I tend to associate works that I make a lot with like what I'm listening to while doing it. Like I listen to a lot of crime podcasts, but also like music. And I was like, why not just name your piece after the name of the song that you were listening to or your favorite line from the song that you're listening to? Because um, when I look at pieces, I literally remember like what I was doing when I was doing a certain like image on it. Um, so that's a cool way to do it. I think there are tons of fun ways. Yeah. Lisa says, I rarely read titles and I'm a frequent museum visitor. That's so funny because when I'm in a museum, I do really take time to read the plaques. I know some people breeze by, but that's probably one of the few contexts where I really am like thinking about the title because usually when I see artwork and it excites me, it's like, I, I want to know everything I can about it. It's sort of like Pedro Pascal. I want to know everything there is about him. <laughs> So I have to do my research and the museum plaques and the stuff they have on the wall helps me with that. So maybe it's just the art history nerd in me wants that information. How about Mia titles with a person's name? Because sometimes people look at it and I don't know, maybe some of you young people will say, Keith, okay, cool. But then it's like the older people are like, dude, that's Keith Richards from the Rolling Stone. And so sometimes the name thing is funny. People don't include the whole name or it's a random name and we have no idea. What do you think about that, Mia? That's another one where I think that context really affects it because I think in this case, it brings, um, it kind of humanizes uh, Keith Richards and brings him into a first name basis with the viewer, whereas in another context, he wouldn't be. He's this almost godly figure, not godly, but a celebrity. And I think that there's a lot of other pieces where it's more intimate, where an artist is painting a portrait of their grandma, who is not a celebrity, but it brings her and elevates her to a different level. So I think that both of those things I really, really love, even though we might know a hundred Keiths and the title doesn't really do anything for us. I think it's very interesting. Sonnet says, do you title all pieces or just pieces that mean something to you? I think it depends on the artist. I <laughs> confess that the only time I title is if it's going to a gallery or if it's going into a grant application. Otherwise, I just can't be bothered. So depends on the context. Sometimes it's not worth it. Other times it's really nice to have that. And then Deep D, we can draw on tradition because, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, the number of pieces throughout all of history just called self-portrait. There's something about that dialogue across centuries that I sort of love. I love it too. I mean, just knowing that something is a self-portrait completely changes my interaction with it. Um, it's so cool and it becomes so personal. All of a sudden you're seeing the artist depict themselves, which is like, whoa. Um, so I think that impact that a title can have is sometimes best described through just the word self-portrait because all of a sudden my understanding of what I'm looking at, my understanding of the process, um, everything is completely shifted once I know that it's a self-portrait. So these are the straight self-portraits, but there is a tradition of self-portrait with a, this case, Jewish identity card by Felix Nussbaum, self-portrait with a cigarette, self-portrait with a champagne glass, 
And Mia, I like how this is an endless variation that artists have just done for centuries. Yeah, I love this. I was going to say in the earlier um, topic where it was just self-portrait, I was going to say, I need something else. I need one other thing that kind of shows me another thing about this person or, or tells it to me or, or brings attention to one part of this person's identity. And I think that just adding that little thing to the title really um, packs such a punch. And I really enjoy that. And it makes it more entertaining, more interesting. I feel like I know this person even better. And I love that. Although this is where it gets deep. <laughs> Self-portrait as a allegory of painting by Gentileschi. Or for Carrie James Marshall, portrait of the artist as a shadow of his former self. I, I love the self-portrait titles. I just find them fascinating because there is that crossover throughout centuries. There's also titles that provide context. For example, Deep D, if you looked at this really quickly, you might just say, oh, it's all these women hanging out. But Deep D, what happens when you see the word recess? It's really interesting once I see the word recess, because then I notice that ball on the floor. I actually didn't notice that at first, and it kind of places me in a space. I understand this is probably a school, but then I start noticing their expressions, too, and none of them really look that happy, which before reading the word recess, I didn't really care about. But the energy of the peas and the bodies and the expressions suddenly start making more of an impact once I see this word recess and think about my associations with recess and happiness and jumping up and down and not seeing that here. So it really does add a lot to this piece. Or sometimes it's a context, but it's a really vague context. So this is a film by Kenneth Tam. It's called The Crossing. But the thing is, you can cross different kinds of things. You can cross a bridge. You can cross a border. You can cross the street. And so this gives a context, but it's still pretty open-ended as far as how you can talk about that context. And then Mia, what about when you get the location of the place? Like this is Ming Smith and it's talking about the Ivory Coast. How does that change your relationship with this piece? I mean, I've never really researched the Ivory Coast, but now I want to because of this piece. And if it didn't have that title, then I would just think that it was um, a photograph or a portrait of this woman. And I think that placing her somewhere gives more insight into her identity, maybe what she's doing, if there's a specific thing in the Ivory Coast that she's doing right now. But I would have to research a little bit more. I think that it just serves for more context and um, a deeper means of research if you're interested in learning more about a place. Well, in Deep D, that's what I think great artworks do, is they make us curious, they make us want to learn something. Like, I actually had to look up, okay, it's a tailor shop, but what is Azizi? And it is a city. I had no idea about that. And then we also have this one, which is the Thames River in London. And then this one is interesting, Deep D, because it's not a picture of America, but it says for America, I hope, right? I think. <laughs> it's Spanish, right? I don't know. Somebody help me. <laughs> I walked right into that one. Anyway. Yeah, I think so. Yes. I think you're right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so like this one, it's a bird, but it references America. And so that changes our perception quite dramatically. So I, I'm always interested because... Mia, you brought up, you know, Ivory Coast. 
And now I want to go Google Ivory Coast and read about whatever. And that excites me as an artist. So I guess, I don't know, I, I feel so jaded my earlier response. And now I feel kind of dumb. Like, I feel like I should give it a better chance and not be so like, oh. <laughs> Mia, you're so positive about it. I wonder if That's you just fun. attended a different art school than me or something, even though you didn't. <laughs> We didn't talk about that at all in art school. That was just me trying to have fun. <laughs> I love it. Guess what, everybody? There's still a few spots left in our March workshops and registration for the April workshops just opened today. Take a look. The link is in the YouTube video description below and also on the front page of artprof.org. Please join DD and I for a stage session in the Discord immediately after the live stream. A stage session is where you get to chat with us on voice. We love hearing your voices, so we hope you will come along. Join our Patreon group. There's so many fun things. You can share your art in weekly voice sessions with staff. I provide critiques, help you boost your skills. And the Patreon group, it's a very small group of artists, way smaller than the 11,000 members we have in the public server. Get more staff attention, and it's a lot easier to make connections with people in that group. Sponsor video. You guys, I have the model. I have the studio space. We're like ready to shoot all these reference photos and a model posing. I'm so ready to do it, but we need somebody to step in and sponsor because guess what? Photo studio costs money. So does the model. Somebody step in, help us out. Artprof has all kinds of services. We have artist calls, personal art curriculums, artist statement editing, and portfolio critiques. Thank you to our top Patreon supporters. You are all the ones, you are the pillar that we are standing on top of to make sure that we are still there. Visit artprof.org. There is so much content on there that is not on YouTube. Best way to use it is to use the search bar. Artprof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe to our channel for more tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.